This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And as always, brought to you by Matty Ice Media, my company. It's very cool to say that every single time, and I know that it probably sounds repetitive every time I say it, but it brings me a lot of joy. Uh, on Monday's episode, I talked about how much changes within a year, and Maddie S Media is one of those things that changes within a year. But you know, I got to thinking about this idea of grief, and I don't mean to necessarily bring the show back down, but as you know, uh, I've been dealing with somewhat of a loss as it relates to my birth mother, and that was something that has really affected me, even though I've been able to bounce back. I have gone through different phases of the grief process, and I thought that the idea of grief in and of itself was interesting. But there's also some sort of higher level ideas that have come to mind that I thought were appropriate for this show. And some of them might have some religious overtones, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is anti-religion or anything like that. It's just they sort of toe the line between what could be considered religious. And while I'm not a religious man in the structured religious sense, uh, there is a level of spirituality that I do subscribe to. But grief, right? I think we think of the stages of grief in a linear fashion. At least we are presented the stages of grief in a linear fashion. And, you know, it's just not, uh, it's just not that way. Uh, grief is very much cyclical. It is sort of like a wave pattern. We kind of ebb and flow within it. And I know that I have done that. Um, I can't spout off all of the stages of grief to you. Uh, but one of the things that people talk about is you get to acceptance, but there's a lot of things, anger, bargaining, sadness, right? Uh, There's so many things that sort of happen in that time frame. And I think about the first two days, which is when I was at my worst as it related to this particular loss and what I was going through. Um, One of the things that I do in grief that is probably different from a lot of people is I sort of submerge myself in grief. I actively seek out music that sort of elicits the sort of response that I'm looking for, not in some kind of a prefabricated manner, but just things that remind me of whatever it is that I'm grieving. Because for me, it allows me, immersing myself in the grief allows me to come out of it a lot easier. It allows me to process it. A lot of people repress their grief. They're looking to get away from what is hurting them. And that might work for them. It just does not work for me. But that's what's so amazing about grief is that you could have 10 people in the same room and all of them could experience a loss differently. I'm not quite sure that there's something like that in our lives. Is love like that? Is love something that we experience differently? Or is it some type of an emotional attachment that while it maybe manifests itself a little bit differently for some, it's generally universal in how it makes us feel. Grief could be universal in how it makes us feel, but I think it's the manner at which we go about it that is just so different. I've tried to check in with as many family members as possible over the last week or so. And while I admittedly have not hit all of them, uh, there are some strained relationships in there and I'm not going to hit every single one of them, but the ones that I have talked to, I've just wanted to check in and see how they're doing. And it's amazing how much different their grief is than mine. But there's so many parts of what happened between my mom and I that have made my grief different than theirs. That estrangement, that five year period where we didn't see each other or talk to each other, it basically is what now feels like for me. I spent five years normalizing the idea that my mother was not a part of my life. And even though she was a part of human, or she was a part of humanity, 
and I knew she was out there in the physical sense, emotionally, as it related to the attachment that I had to her, she was not a part of my life. There's millions and millions of people that we come across in our daily lives, or throughout our lifetime, I should say. And how many of them do we actually think about, even though they exist, we don't know they exist, but you know, there's billions of people that exist that we'll never even know, but we know that people exist, but we don't necessarily think about them every single day. It's sort of an out of sight, out of mind thing. And I had normalized not hearing from somebody Christmases, Thanksgivings, Easter's, birthdays, Mother's Days, things like that. And I think it just became part of grieving that relationship. Grief in and of itself doesn't have to be for loss. It can be the loss of anything. And I mean the losses in death. It doesn't have to be death. It a lot of times is associated with death. But we grieve a lot of things in our lives. I grieved, I think this is true, I grieved the loss of my freedom when my son was born. Doesn't mean that I didn't want what my son brought or what parenthood brought. It just means that I think you end up grieving a little bit of that because there is something nice about being able to do what you please. Being able to just pick up a video game whenever you want to or go for a run or, or anything like that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be something so finite as, as death, right? And how many other things have I grieved in my lifetime? What are some things you've grieved? I think whenever there's a breakup, there's a grieving process there. And we get to a level of acceptance or indifference some in some cases. I think we grieve that. I know that there was some strange thing I grieved when I got rid of my first car that I ever bought. And no, there's not like crying or anything like that. But you feel this sense of loss, like a sense of some part of you is gone because that has been part of your life. If I'm being perfectly honest, I hurt the most. Before my mother died, of course, I hurt the most when our dog died. That was so suddenly. And the nature of the suddenness of it is what made it so much harder to grieve. And honestly, uh, I, I grieved that for so long. I even still think about the little guy today. And that's a loss, it's a death, yes, but it's a pet. And even though it is only a pet, you gain an emotional attachment to it, but there's a lot of ways that we grieve. If we move on from a job that we've loved, but we're looking for a new opportunity. If I ever leave my current position that I have been in for 15 years, there's gonna be a grieving process there. And it's just amazing how it works. Um, I know that the other day, you know, I was talking with her and some people don't necessarily do that. Some people don't necessarily feel like, you know, that, you know, that they, that talking to somebody is, is normal. But I was talking to the person that I lost. I was talking to my mom and, you know, you think about, for me, I think about things that she would enjoy, things that she's going to miss out on. Those are things that I'm grieving now. I'm grieving the time that we lost. And again, that's not the death itself. There's so many things around when we lose something that we greet. But it got me to thinking about this. I realized that there is a gaping hole in the world because somebody has left it. And while numerous people die every single day, people that we don't even know left this earth, for some family or some person, there is a giant hole that has been left in the world. And you have to ask yourself, what happens when that hole is left? Does somebody fill it? Like, does every birth necessarily refill that hole in humanity? And where do people go when they die? I think this is the question that we all want to know. And I've struggled with this recently. Um, my son has asked about my, my, my mom. He, he's asked about Gaga. And we tell him numerous things. Not to avoid it. He's just, he's 18 months. So, like, you can only tell him so many things before he's like, what? I don't understand. 
Um, we've told him he she's sleeping, which isn't untrue, uh, that she's at home. I also like that one because I like to think the afterlife can be considered a home, that he's in heaven, if that's something that you believe in the construct of heaven and hell. But the afterlife in my mind is fascinating because I don't subscribe to the binary nature of heaven and hell. To me, heaven and hell is too finite. It's too black and white because there's a lot of people who aren't innately evil, right? Let's take Adolf Hitler is somebody that we know who is just evil. Like there's nothing that you, else you can say about it. You can't look at the good traits that he had once upon a time and say, well, we all make mistakes. Adolf Hitler was responsible for killing millions and millions of people based solely off of their religion and the way that they looked. And that's just inexcusable. Serial killers, serial rapists, child rapists, child molesters, people that actively go out of their way to bring harm to other people in that way, that's such a finite thing. They are testing the limits of what is considered dis disregarding humanity, in my opinion. I think that there is a... Um, we should have a healthy um, respect for the sanctity of life. And I was trying to think of those words because I was trying to pick them very carefully. But the sanctity of life is very important. So there are people who I can understand going one way or the other who are so evil that they would go to a place that is so bad that is deserving of the actions that they have done as it relates to the sanctity of life. But then if you look at most people, most people have light and darkness in them. I know that I do. I've made mistakes in my life. I have dark things in, that happen in my mind that I wish I didn't. It's about acting on them, though. And think about it this way. Like, you know, at least in the confines of the Catholic Church, which is the church that I am most familiar with, I'll be honest with you, the idea of going to confession and telling the priest every single thing that I have done and being quote-unquote absolved by somebody who is quote-unquote talking to God. And it's like, well, am I an evil person because I've sinned? Like, is sinning in and of itself worthy of going to hell? And what they teach you is that if you don't go to confession and are not absolved of your sins, then you will go to hell. Or, for a better example, a baby that is not baptized and dies is apparently stuck in purgatory, which means it doesn't get to go anywhere. And this is what I'm saying about the binary nature of it. It's way too finite. So I thought about the afterlife as it related to my mom. And what would the afterlife be for her? And what is the afterlife? And this is what I've come up with. And I don't think it has to be a religious thing at all. I do like to believe, I think there's comfort in believing that the people that we love go somewhere better when they die. I think that that is very comforting. And for my mom, I like to think that she is going to a place that not only has people that have already left this world that she wants to be with, think of her parents, I think of my grandparents, my grandfather who died in December of 2002 of pancreatic cancer, my grandma who died in 2018 after basically failing to thrive for years and years and years after a broken leg. And I think about those things. Would she be there with them? I'd like to think so. Maybe other family members that have passed long before her, helping, welcoming her into whatever it is her afterlife is. But then I also like to think that the afterlife is what each person makes of it. That it's almost like our most deepest desires, our deepest wishes. One of the things that my mom always wanted to do and never really got to because of what cancer took away from her was to play with my son, to play with James. 
and she's never going to get that chance. And thinking about that is part of my grief process, thinking about what she's not going to get with James. It's one thing to miss, things, miss out on things with me, but the thing about it is she and I had years and years together. She watched me grow up. She got to appreciate growing, my growing up and playing with me the way that she wanted to with James. She always talked about at the end, taking him to the zoo, going on a, a ferry to Block Island, going to the beach. And in my mind, I used to think, Ma, you know you can't do that because you can't get up, you can't walk and so forth. But I never really thought about what it meant. Never really thought that she'd never get the chance to do those things. And so is that what the afterlife is? My mom loved to do a lot of things in this life. She loved to drink wine. She loved to eat food. She liked to laugh. She really enjoyed conversation. It's where I get my love of conversation from. I mean, my father loves to do it too, but my mom did it in such an animated way. And I've talked about how she was the life of the party, how she was a lightning rod for whatever situation that she was in. And I like to think that in her afterlife, she's getting to play with James. She's going to the beach with him. She's going to the beach with other people that she loves, her sisters who were there when she died, right? The friends that she made through her cancer a journey, her live strong friends, the people's lives that she touched through her perseverance through it. I was not there for a lot of that, but a lot of people were. A lot of people were there for her and with her, not only as she was recovering from cancer, but afterwards, as she raised money, as she advocated for this disease and tried to make the lives of people who had it better than what she had. It's what we all strive to do, or what we should all strive to do is, is have something that we're passionate about. My mother was passionate about cancer research. She loved that, but she liked to drink a lot of wine too. I like to think that her wine cellar is massive in the afterlife, that she has a house on the beach somewhere where she can just step in the sand, in the water every single day. It's where she was the most happy to be honest with you. The amount of beaches that she went to in her lifetime were endless, all across the globe, all across the world. And that's all she ever really wanted. I think about that too. One of the things that my wife and I do every single year is a family trip to Isla Palms in South Carolina. It's really where I became very close with her family and the bond that we have now started. It really started then. My mom never got to go with us. She would have had we been in each other's lives, I'd like to think. I like to think that she would have met us down there and our families would have had such a good time together. We won't get that chance now because she's no longer with us. So is my mom traveling to Isla Palms with us? Is she going on a family vacation with me and my wife and family? You know, is that something that she's thinking about? All my cousins, she thought of them as second children. I don't think they realized that. My mom always wanted to have two children. She wanted to have another sibling for me. But in her afterlife, is that something that she has? Or are me and my cousins all together? Are those her children in the afterlife? You know what I mean? Like, are she, is she watching us do our thing with my grandparents and their aunts and uncles and so forth? And are they thinking about how much we're doing and what we're doing? Is the afterlife also like a viewing party for the living, right? Are people in the afterlife able to just view people here on earth anytime that they want to? Wouldn't that be a comforting feeling? I mean, I think it is. It'd be nice if my mom was like, I know I can't be there, but hey, can I check on James every so often? One of the things my wife and I believe is that a cardinal in your yard is someone from the afterlife visiting you. For us, I think it's multiple people visiting us. I think every single cardinal that we see, and we see quite a few, represents 
all the people that we've lost. It's one of the reasons why I got a cardinal ornament for my wife the year her grandma died, because that was a huge loss for her. And it doesn't just represent her grandma. It represents everybody that's passed away in her life that means something to her or her grandparents, right? Things like that. And it's amazing when you think about it. As we get older and I'm almost 40 years old, the world that I know it, even though it's becoming larger and larger around me, my world gets smaller and smaller day by day. Because the older that we get, the more life starts to take away from us. When we're young, when we're kids, where my son is going to be in a couple of years, it's going to seem like the world is huge to him. His whole life is ahead of him. Everything is around him and able to be consumed. He doesn't know what it's like to be limited by anything. I mean, only by us, of course, but he doesn't know what it's like to lose things for real, right? To lose something that finitely. And it's the first time that kids experience death that I think the world closes on them just a little bit, just a little bit. And now I think about one of my parents being gone from this earth and the world has shrunk in a lot of ways. It's amazing to think about that. When somebody dies, there is a gaping hole, but our personal world shrinks just a little bit because we've lost something great. We've lost something very, very close to us, something that we can't get back. And as I get older, it's only going to continue to happen. Of course, the loss of my mother makes me think of my father, it makes me think about his age, where he is, he's 74, and how he might not have that much time left on this earth. He might have 20 years. He might not. He might have two. I don't know that. Nobody knows that. But it does make me think about it. And when my father does inevitably pass from this world, the world would be that much smaller. That much smaller. And as we get older, life is just going to continue to take away from us, right? Those moments that we have that feel unique are going to become fewer and far between. I remember one of my groomsmen at a wedding saying that our wedding felt like one of the last times that we would do something like that, where we would have a gathering of people that we knew and people that we loved in that kind of a way, because I was one of the last people to get married. And those milestones become fewer and far between, and they mean less and less if you do them more and more as you get older. So everything that we do now feels less and less significant as we get older. And those moments of significance become fewer and far between. As a parent, we generally tend to feel those things living vicariously through our children. So hopefully when I'm alive, when my son graduates high school, I will feel that. When he graduates college, I will feel that. When he gets married, when he has his child, I will feel that. I will be older, but I think you understand my point is that I will feel those vicariously. But for me personally, when I'm in my 70s, people that I went to high school will have, have died. I already know people who I went to high school who died, but more of them will, or more people will be sick, or they will have debilitating illnesses or debil debilitating situations that they won't be able to, you know, be able to live, right? Right now, everybody that I know who's in, who I went to high school with is living their lives. They're in their late 30s, they're young still. They won't be that way all the time. And the loss of my mom really brought back a lot of these things. And I thought to myself, what would my afterlife be? Because we don't get to pick when we die. It's not something, it's, it's chosen for us. So what would my afterlife be? Well, I've thought about it a little bit. Well, first and foremost, uh, I would obviously love to be able to see the people that I love who have passed away already. And that's my grandparents and my mom. 
being able to embrace them, hopefully looking better than I do now. And I mean, when I was in my prime, I also like to think that in the afterlife, we can look the best that we ever were, right? That we are the best versions of ourselves, that the afterlife is us being able to be maximum us in all of the best ways and none of the bad ways, because we've earned that by making it there. We've earned that by being a good person and doing the best that we can to be a good person. So for me, that's what it would be like. Of course, if I leave this earth before my wife and child, I'd love them to be there or to be able to have a window to them, to let them know that I'm here for them. I hope that Poco would be there, our dog. It'd be awesome to see him again. That's really what I hope. I hope to be able to spread love the way that I do here, to try and be the best person that I can and do that up there too. I have no plans of dying anytime soon, but I just know that when I leave, I want there to be some void that can't be filled, that can't just be filled by somebody else, and that I will be able to take that energy to the afterlife, and whoever it is that's with me will be able to do that. And by the way, in the afterlife, I will have the sickest sneaker collection, even though I feel like I do right now. It will be even better in the afterlife because the resale market just flat won't exist. So I hope everybody had a great week. I hope everybody came off of the weekend energized and we're going into this weekend equally as energized. You know, a lot of times at the end of the week, we generally tend to find ourselves tired. And you know what? Hopefully you will go into this coming weekend surrounded by the people that you love, energized to continue to make their lives better and your lives better by spreading love and by doing something that makes you happy. So thank you for listening. And before we get you out of here, remember, please support the show. MattyIceMedia.com. If you want to email me, MattyIceMedia, that's one word, at gmail.com, and Soulfully Casual Podcast on Instagram. And Matty Ice can also be found on Twitter and on Facebook. Just search for Matty Ice or Matty Ice Media, and you will definitely find me on either of those platforms. So take care of this weekend, stay safe, hug the people that you love, and I will talk to you next time. The opinions and thoughts are those of Matty Ice and not necessarily those of Matty Ice Media. The Soulfully Casual podcast is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by Matty Ice Media.